Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It is your boy, C-I-Z-Z-Y, back at it again with another episode of the Voices of Value podcast. And as I tell you every single week, I'm coming back with another fire guest. I've done it yet again. It is Friday on the day that you're listening to the podcast, but it is Tuesday on the day that we're recording this. So regardless of when, where, who, what hour, what day, who you're with, what car you're in, and wherever you're at right now. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with me and Nathan Roberts today. Nathan Roberts has been a guest of the show once before in November of 2021, so it's been about 16 months since our last conversation. I'm sure a lot of things have changed in his life and his business and what he's focused on, so today we're going to kind of get an update on Nathan's life, and with that being said, go ahead and say what's up to the people, my guy. Hey, what's going on? So uh, some months back, uh, back in November of 2021, I was primarily focused on like multifamily uh, investment sales and doing uh, some retail and office leasing, pretty much a general commercial real estate agent, meaning I pretty much just work on all things. Uh, now I've kind of narrowed down my niche and uh, focusing strictly on medical and, and office real estate at this point. I love it. I love it, man. And that kind of that kind of takes us right into our first question of the day, man, because we want to jump right into the business aspect of this. It's been, you know, over 15 months since our last conversation. So when we think about the last 24 months, what has evolved? What has transitioned? What is new in the business life, the community or classic community, commercial real estate life of uh, Nathan Roberts? You just shared one aspect, which is the transition from general commercial real estate into your niche, which is medical. You said medical offices, medical and what offices? Sorry. Uh, medical in office real estate. So primarily the the office sector, uh, medical office is like a subsector of that uh, of that industry. Uh, but when it comes to medical office, I would say the biggest differences would just be pretty much the end users. So any tenant coming in, it's going to be physician or like dental based. And these are typically uh, are these typically like medical groups coming in or is this like typically like solo entrepreneurs who are doctors who are just starting their own practice and they're they're looking for their first space? Like what has been your like typical run in when it comes to clients? Yeah. So it hasn't been like healthcare systems or anything like that. Like uh, the, the largest ones would be like HCA, Advent Health, things like that. Uh, these would be small physician-owned offices. So someone that may have a dental office or someone that's focused on uh, pediatric care, things like that. So um, I would say there, there's definitely a shift uh, in the industry when it comes to physicians moving more towards the healthcare-based systems uh, due to so many aspects. Uh, I would say probably the number one thing would just be the administrative burden. Uh, when college students are coming out and they're looking to uh, place their their license somewhere, typically they're going to place it with a healthcare system just because there's a lot more efficiencies there. Uh, there's like a very competitive uh, payment or um, a salary structures. So all of that gets a little bit different uh, when it comes to healthcare systems compared to physician-owned practices. So it makes me kind of want to ask, you know, like you went to UMKC, you were very active from a uh, from a networking perspective with the community of UMKC students. I know you were definitely um, involved in, in real estate early on while you were still a student. But I do want to know, like, did you ever engage with build relationships with any of the medical students at UMKC? And have you reengaged any of those conversations now that you're in this like 
niche industry of, of, of medical offices? Like, are you like trying to hit up some of your old uh, UMKC counterparts and be like, Hey, uh, I, I saw that you uh, finished your medical degree. I was just wondering if you're looking for a space <laughs> or, or is that not part of Like, I guess, you know, to be, that's a fun question, but to be more direct, what's your strategy when it comes to, um, you know, lead generation, trying to get an idea of who's looking for space and who your end client will be and how to like start a conversation with them? What does that look like? Yeah. So uh, to answer your first question. So um, at most universities, uh, you're going to have different departments of, of school. So I was in a black business school uh, that was strictly for business students. So there wasn't really much cross uh, collaboration with any of the medical uh, um medical students there. Uh, but I would say that's just a matter of what professional or what student led organizations were you in? Uh, I was in, um, I was in two fraternities. So I was in a social and a professional fraternity, professional one that was strictly business. Uh, the social one, we did have a few uh, aspiring doctors in there. Uh, now I still have that communication uh, with them, just building that relationship. Uh, but a lot of them are probably, like I said, are probably going to go towards a healthcare system. So I probably wouldn't be working directly with them. I'd be working with someone that's part of um, most likely part of like a board of directors for like Advent Health or one of those huge um, conglomerate companies there. Uh, but when it comes to lead generation, uh, we have a few platforms for that. So CoStar, uh, that's essentially like the commercial MLS uh, now there's like uh, you can look at like lease expiration dates and things like that on there. And typically what I'll do is I'll go through and I'll do a SIC search. So SIC, that's a industry code for each industry. So uh, for physicians in particular, that's going to be the code 8011. So I'll put that in there and it will literally showcase all of the leases that are expiring in the next couple of years uh, for physician offices. So I'll download like a CSV file for that. And then that's when I start prospecting, cold calling them, uh, do a lot of door to door knocking. So going in, if I have a property that's nearby, uh, then I'll print out brochures, go to the office, talk to the physicians. And, and typically they're nine times out of 10, they're going to be busy, which means you're just leaving a brochure or you're trying to fit, figure out some way to contact them directly. Uh, now, uh, when it comes to cold calling and calling any any business or, or uh, company, uh, there's gatekeepers. So there's going to be the office manager. There's going to be that first reception uh, person that answers the phone. And typically, if they realize it's a sales call, you're not going to get through to the person you want anyway, that decision maker. Um, so we use a platform called Reonomy, which is great. That allows me to uh, search up any property and then also see who the tenants are within that building. A lot of the times for these business owners, uh, that's going to include like personal cell phone numbers, uh, home addresses, things like that. So uh, a lot of the times I'm contacting these doctors directly. So I call them, leave a voicemail. Uh, and if I don't get through to them, then I just follow up with a text, letting them know, um, hey, I have some office space nearby. Was curious what your office plans are moving forward. I love that. And you said Reonomy. Can you spell that and like uh, talk about that or, you know, plug that platform up for other future uh, commercial real estate agents who might be new in the space and haven't heard of this platform. So quick, quick value add to this podcast. Can you spell that for them and uh, tell them, is, is that a website? Is that an app or? It is. Yeah, it's it's a website. It's They also have an app for on your phone. Uh, Reonomy is spelled R-E-O 
N-O-M-Y. So Reonomy is essentially like an online database for you to search up any commercial property. So that includes uh, pretty much five units and above. They do have duplexes on that, which is a good thing. Uh, so small multifamily going down or duplexes and up and then commercial real estate in general. Uh, that would encompass um, um, office, retail, industrial, hospitality, specialty um, um, asset classes like uh, storage, things like that. I so it's, it. it's it's essentially just the online database that allows you to type in. You can search any property. You can just do a general search for office within a geographic area. It's very broad, but the, the biggest thing is to get contact information for that ownership group so you can actually reach out to them and provide value. And what does that conversation normally look like? Say you do get a hold of somebody. Do you have some type of cold call script that you use as a commercial real estate agent that you might have pulled from somebody else that you look up to? Or is it just you just eyes closed calling and just you you already know what you're going to say just off the top of your head? Like, what does that conversation normally look like if they do pick up? Um, and like, how do you lead that conversation towards a, a, a meetup in person or coming to show them a property or figuring out if you even have a, a, a product that they're looking to, uh, you know, invest in for, for their future of their business? Like, what does that conversation look like? Yeah. So with any sales type of position, obviously, uh, there's like conversion rate. So I would say out of let's just say 10 people you call, you're probably going to get through to only two, uh, which means that eight of them, you're just leaving voicemails and, and just following up with them. Uh, the biggest thing, that's the way that you actually establish a relationship is just follow up. That's that's the number one thing. Uh, and just trying to provide value. So seeing what their needs are, uh, if they're looking to renew their lease within the next few years, trying to provide value that way. Uh, a lot of the times, business owners don't realize what concessions they can get by either working with a tenant rep which is free of charge to them. Uh, as far as commissions, uh, they're getting free free representation and the landlord's paying all commissions. So uh, they really don't lose out on anything. At the end of the day, I'm coming in, I'm helping them put together a concessions or a competitive uh, package to uh, relay over to the landlord and letting them know, hey, uh, my client, who is the tenant in your building, uh, would like to uh, renew their lease, but there's a few other options out on the market. Uh, what can we do to try to get some of these concessions uh, increased just so they don't have to relocate to another property? Uh, and the three concessions you're typically going to ask for is going to be either some sort of re reduced rent or base rent, uh, free rent, or some sort of tenant improvement allowance. Now, if it's a physician and the office is already built out, uh, typically we're going to go for either some sort of free rent period or reduced base rent. Um, normally when- um, And what does that the mean? First Sorry. Time that yeah. What, what, so what base rent. Yeah. yeah. So base rent is the is the rent that's being quoted uh, when you go to any website or if you were to look it up on LoopNet or something like that, it may say, let's just say for example, twelve dollars per square foot. Uh, that doesn't that doesn't include any uh, tenant improvements or money that the landlord's giving you to build out the space. Typically, they may include some some ti allowance in the base rent and then anything above that allowance uh just gets amortized so that gets spread out over the term of the lease so for example uh let's just say for example um uh in uh, let's just say a medical office tenant wants to move into a space uh for uh let's just say a five year term, but they're also wanting like $250,000 to build out the space. Number one, it has to pencil out for the landlord because if you're only doing a five year term and they're not getting any of their money 
they're not essentially getting any return on the money for the next two years. It's probably not a deal that they're going to want to do. Now, for a $250,000 TI package, you may include $20, $20 per square foot in the base rent, and then anything above that amount is being spread out over the lease term. So typically for $250,000, you're not going to do a five-year lease. We'll negotiate, go back and forth, and probably sign a 10-year lease, which means the landlord's payback period might be one or two years before they even start making money because they had that huge outlay of cost for construction at the very start of the lease. How how important is it to like make sure it's a, a win win situation from from a concessions perspective? I know you're you're working for the client who's you know renting out the space, but I assume that you have to consider the the landlord's desires and wants as well as you as you have that conversation. So like I guess how do you approach uh, a deal or or a relationship with the landlord? and the client making sure both people are happy and both people win. So you can kind of, I guess, prolong the healthiness of that relationship, you know, later down the line, bringing more clients to that landlord and that landlord hooking you up with good deals, but making sure he's still getting Mm -hmm. his money or her money. Like I, how do you approach making sure both your client and the landlord are satisfied um, in in the deal so that you're not like, you know, souring anybody's uh, mouths. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's a great question. Um, I would say one benefit that I have is that I do tenant and I do landlord representation. So I pretty much know what landlords are looking for. Landlords, what they're looking for is to give the least amount of concessions and to try to have the highest least value possible, which means that if they're giving less concessions, that means that they're making more money uh, throughout the term of the lease. Now, when it comes to uh, tenants that you're representing or business owners, uh, at the end of the day, it kind of comes down to reducing whatever the base rent that they're paying over the term of that lease. And that comes through concessions. Uh, Typically, what I like to do is put together a quick lease analysis or a negotiation chronology. So with with every negotiating strategy for getting certain concessions, I can at least uh, showcase how much money I'm saving my tenant over the term of that lease. So if we're getting uh, a few months of free rent, let's just say they're signing a a five-year deal and we're getting uh, one month of free rent per year of lease term, so five months of free rent, the value of that would be essentially what the the monthly rent would be times five. That's what I've been able to reduce your your expenses over the term of that lease. And then when it comes to concessions, uh, typically, like I said, um, there's going to be a certain amount of concessions that are included in the base rent as far as that uh, that tenant improvement allowance goes, and anything above that is going to be amortized. So the landlord per se isn't really making much money on that but there is when something's being amortized obviously there's there's four there's three inputs there you have the term of whatever it's being amortized over so if it's a five-year lease it's being amortized over five years uh what what is the payment so is it are you paying that every month or you pay that every year so it'd be being paid every month for the next five five years or 60 months total uh you also have an interest rate uh that you need to put in there as well, because you have to look at uh, the time value of money, right? If instead of putting $250,000 out there to allow a tenant to build out a space, uh, you have to look at if I had that $250,000 today and I could put that into the stock market and make a 7% return, you need to put that at least that number needs to be in the interest rate part because that's what's being amortized. So you need to account for that, uh, 
on the on the landlord and tenant rep side. I love it. I love it. Thank you. So I, I, I wish I could sh- I wish I could share my screen to, to pull up this spreadsheet. Uh, that just includes like a breakdown of what the base rent is, what concessions that we're asking for. And then it's pretty much a chronology. So as we go back and forth, uh, I can at least showcase to my client, hey, uh, the landlord is negotiating with this. This is how much your base rent or this is how much you're going to be paying uh, with that um with that response that we just got back from the landlord. And uh, honestly, it is kind of hard to find that middle ground, but at the end of the day, I mean, landlords are looking at what is their payback period? So if it takes, if it's a five-year term, typically most landlords aren't gonna want their payback period to be over a year and a half. And the primary reason behind that is because if if they were to, if their payback period was two or three years, in reality, they're spending more money than they're actually getting back uh, as a return over that, the term of that lease. So uh, typically, uh, I would say for five years, you're looking at probably a year or a year and a half for a payback period if concessions are being provided, like TI or a tenant improvement allowance. Uh, if it's a 10-year term, then you're probably looking at two to three years. Love it. I like love one, it. You know, one, go ahead, and go ahead. I can actually use a great example. Um, I'm representing TNC Community. They're the largest nonprofit or they're the most capitalized nonprofit in Independence, Missouri. Uh, I helped them find uh, a 12,000 square feet uh, space. Now we're getting um, total renovations is about $480,000. My client's coming out of pocket $200,000 to build out the space, but then we're also getting a $300,000 tenant improvement allowance from the landlord. $150,000 is included in the base rent, which is about uh, 1115 per square foot. Um, so that's being included in the base rent. Uh, that remaining $150,000 uh, is what's being amortized. So that means that my client's base rent stays the same, but the rent that they're paying is actually going to be more because they're paying back some of that construction cost too over the term of that lease. And and that right there, what you just shared right there, kind of kind of leads me into the question I wanted to ask you next, which is what projects or transactions have come through over the past few months or that you're, that you're working on right now, um, just have you really excited? Have you really excited and that you've been enjoying yeah. working on or that you're looking forward to working on and why? As much as you can share. Obviously, I know some com- some of these deals might be private and not be able to you know share, but what what are you excited to work on? What transactions? What uh what deals are are flowing through right now that really get you excited? Okay, yeah. So TNC Community, I'm very excited about that. Uh, just because it's a nonprofit that has a great cause. Uh, they're focused on working with individuals with like a cerebral palsy. Uh, so individuals in wheelchair. Uh, so everything in the suite has to be wheelchair or ADA accessible. Uh, accessible. Um, so that's a project that I'm I'm really excited about. Just knowing that the term of the lease is ten years. Uh, so um, and, and it's also just me helping out this nonprofit. Like I said, it's the largest one in independence. A few other projects that I'm excited about, uh, and this is actually a proposal project. So this is a, a development off of uh, 63rd in Prospect. Um, this is going to be like a large mixed use development. I'm super excited about this. Uh, they should be breaking ground sometime this spring. Uh, and then they should have like a 50,000 square feet medical office, uh, built, um, sometime next, uh, it's going to be probably the second or third quarter of next year. But that's, that's a super exciting project that I'm working on. Just knowing that it's the first like new development that I'm, 
uh, being um, a part of, uh, just with leasing up uh, some of the vacant suites there. But then there's also some synergy between uh, HCA, which is right across the street, and, and possibly having some of their uh, auxiliary services uh, being located within this building as well. I love that. I love that. Um, another another small thing that I'm working on. Uh, this is uh, and this is before uh, we got on this podcast. But the portfolio of five duplexes. I'm excited to get that uh, over the finish line. Now, uh, multifamily isn't really my bread and butter. That's not something that I focus on. Uh, but this is a client. This is a guy that I built a relationship for. Um, I, I've known him for like the past five, six years at this point. Met him through the Urban Lane Institute. Uh, we were part of this Ekin Johnson's mentorship program. Uh, this was a program I was in at like 19 years old. So I was one of the youngest people in there. Uh, and that's how I built this relationship with him. Uh, I'm excited to just get that over the finish line because there's been some nuances going back and forth, especially with uh, renovations and when those are going to be complete prior to the close date with a, a new buyer coming in and acquiring that portfolio. So I'm super excited about that. But I would say uh, out of all my transactions right now, it's a lot of working with small mom and pop type of businesses to help them find some office space. So uh, typically that's that's been in the private offices. So around 150 square feet, all the way up to about 2,500 square feet of office space. And office market, um, and you might ask some questions about this, but I can tell yeah. you a little bit about office demand and, and where we're at right now in this cycle. Yeah, I kind of want to ask you with the Super Bowl, the the World Cup, the the NFL draft, the hype around, um, you know, the Kansas City's a women's professional soccer team that's growing out here. Like, mm -hmm. there's just so much energy and attention coming towards Kansas City. Is there anything like that you can visually or tangibly or or just bring to mind or that you see in in the day to day that? is changing or like is being impacted because of all this energy and, and excitement around Kansas city growing as a, as a, as a top tier Midwest city. I mean, shouldn't be long, you know, give us another 15 years, we might catch up to Chicago. So like, have you seen a, have you seen any impact on your business or just anything exciting or interesting coming through your, uh, you know, laptop or your emails just because of the impact of Patrick Mahomes, the impact of the World Cup coming here, the impact of the NFL draft this summer or this spring. So just just share anything yeah. that comes to mind when you think about all the excitement and energy around Kansas City right now and how that's affecting the commercial real estate industry. Yeah, I would say directly right now, I haven't see, really seen that impact on the commercial real estate side. Now, if you were to ask anyone part of the Economic Development Council or um, um, anyone that's focused on bringing new corporations or businesses uh, to the, the Missouri side or to Kansas City, uh, they would probably say the number one project that's going to have a huge impact on economic development uh, is the new airport. Now, when it comes to large uh, Fortune 500 companies, a lot of them don't have headquarters office, offices in the central business district. The main reason why is because of transportation between their employees or large executives coming in. Um, with our with our previous airport, we couldn't get certain planes here. Like now we now with the new terminal, we have access to all these different other markets because larger planes can can actually land here in Kansas City. So I would say that's probably something that's going to be forecasted for the next five to ten years. Just seeing how the airport impacts companies wanting to relocate or at least open up like a, a second headquarters office here in Kansas City.
I love that. I love that. And you did just mention, you know, the state of, you know, in 2020, eh, in 2023, the state of uh, the commercial real estate industry, specifically in your niche for sure. But please break down just like where you feel like the industry's at right now. Is it in a good place? Is it in a bad place? Like um, yeah. new, new, uh, new people that are coming into the commercial real estate space as agents or, or representatives or sales reps or whatever t- t- term we want to use. Um, what should they be looking at? What should they be studying? Should they should they still pursue a career in this space or should they go somewhere else? Like yeah. talk about the state of the industry right now. Yes. Yeah, so I would say overall, the state of the industry is, is kind of hit and miss depending on what property type you're looking at. Uh, I would say the bread and butter of just the past couple of years for sure has been uh, industrial real estate and multifamily. Uh, multifamily, that's been hot, uh, I mean, probably the past five, seven years. Uh, ever since 2015, I mean, multifamily across the U.S. has been crazy hot. Uh, industrial, I've definitely seen an increase in activity just across the board. And I don't personally work on industrial, but just with some of my colleagues and, and industry colleagues, um, um, I would say since like 20, 2019, 2020, there's been a huge demand in uh, out-of-state investors wanting to acquire industrial property. So either small warehousing or small uh, like light uh, manufacturing, that's definitely been a huge thing. Or flex office. So flex office would be a combination of office and then having like a warehouse component to that. So that would that would focus primarily on uh, professionals involved in uh, let's just say the construction industry. So uh, plumbers, things like that, they're going to need some sort of uh, facility to store all of their. Um, store all of their equipment. Uh, and they also need a front office for incoming calls and things like that to handle the administrative work. Uh, when it comes to office, that's kind of been hit or miss. Uh, office demand, uh, I think, in the long term is going to decrease as we see uh, some of these companies are wanting to strictly focus on like a hybrid work model. So having employees work from from home probably two, three days a week, and the remaining days would be spent in the office. Right now, uh, companies are still trying to figure out that work model. As you probably know, with uh, a lot of the IT companies, they're requiring their employees to come back to work, and that's kind of caused a debacle between the employees and the employers. So um, I would say long-term, what's going to shape the, the future of office demand will come down to uh, companies looking at their hybrid work model. And number two would uh, probably be um, just looking at uh, the cost of uh, officing, right? Um, I would say that's probably, I would say out of the top three businesses or expenses that any business has faced, number one is going to be employees. Number two is going to be their real estate. Uh, number three is probably going to be exemplary services that they offer. Uh, and if they can, if they can lower their office footprint and uh, not be paying as much in, in, in rent or for their real estate, uh, that definitely leads to uh, impacting their bottom line. Most companies right now, they're focused on keeping their NOI or their net income as high as possible. And uh, just with COVID uh, affecting so many uh, logistics and supply uh, um, chain management, uh, that's definitely going to have an impact um, in the foreseeable future too. So I would say probably flexible office and Flexible office, uh, looking at the demand for that, uh, there's definitely been an increase in flexible office or co-working space the past two years, just because between 2020 and 2022, there's been more startup 
startups in this two-year span than any other two-year span in history. So that's a great thing. That just means that more smaller companies are starting up. And a lot of them, uh, obviously, when you start a company, you're probably going to be the first the one and only employee from the start. And then eventually you're going to start growing and need uh, more uh, office space. But I think long-term the demand's going to go down uh, and it's going to be a heavy focus from landlords perspectives on uh, seeing where their property is located. Location is going to be the number one thing. And number two is going to be the amenities. So what amenities do you have inside your property uh, compared to other properties that are available on the market right now? I mean, as you know, there's, there's just office space that, that's available everywhere, all over the city. I would say the, the the area that's most overly inundated with office or available space would be along that College Boulevard area. Um, and really, the only way to compete is to try to either lower your base rent, how much you're charging per square foot, or to offer some sort of amenities. Now, I'm, I'm starting to see with a lot of new developments, they're trying to incorporate incorporate uh, more things like coffee shops or fitness centers or uh, just increase technology with like key fob systems and things like that or increase security uh, with their properties just to have some sort of amenities that they can try to incentivize their uh, prospective tenants with. I love that. I love that. And <clears throat> that makes me want to ask this question. So from a investor perspective and then also from a, um, you know, agent perspective, what two... All right. Let's start with like somebody in your position, right? Tenant rep or somebody just in general, um, regardless what side they're on, they're a commercial real estate agent, right? Whatever side they're mm -hmm. on. Um, for an individual in that space, what is a not talked about or maybe underappreciated, underrepresented area of commercial real estate that could be like a cash cow for for aging like if they went and focused on that niche right now and they really locked in and put their mm -hmm. head down they could make a shit ton of money over the next five years what space would you say that is for me i mean i'm very gun call about medical office obviously like i said uh industrial and multifamily has been great i think there's going to be a huge surge in demand with flexible office so trying to figure out some sort of uh, co-working component just because there are a lot of uh, there, there are a ton of small businesses out there and if you were to offer flexibility for uh for companies or businesses i think you'll be able to try to get space is leased up a lot faster. I would say as far as the opportunity goes, if you're um, if you're a commercial real estate agent, really, I mean, if you can pick up the phones and just call these, these businesses and just try to provide value. So just letting them know, like, ask them questions about their base rent, how much are they paying? Have they looked at other properties on the market? Uh, just to provide some comparable properties to showcase, hey, I think you're paying too much in rent or, hey, you're you're actually below market. So honestly, I wouldn't even recommend you to try to find any other property out on the market. I think you should uh, talk to your landlord and, and try to see about some sort of free rent or tenant improvement allowance. Because if your base rent is already lower than the other comparable properties on the market, there's not really much you can do there. You can't lower the base rent, especially if the, the base rent for the market is pretty much set based on comps. Um, really, the greatest opportunity is just to get out there and prospect, like just getting on the phones, cold calling. That's going to be your, no, your, your number one revenue driving source is cold calling, meeting, just being in front of people, being in front of business owners, being a part of professional organizations, getting your name out there and just letting people know what you do. Um, I mean, there's been multiple times where, I mean, I've sold a 
an office building to a client or not to a client, but to a, to a buyer, I was representing the seller. And, uh, months after the, um, that, that buyer would reach out to me and ask me if I do leasing too. I'm like, yes, I, I focus on leasing and sales strictly for medical and office. So if you can just stay front of mind for those property owners in case they have a vacant suite coming up uh, within the next year or so, just stay in front of mind, following up with them over email, sending them texts, sending them market reports uh, that includes information on uh, like net absorption or vacancy rates or what the average lease rates are going for base rent in that area is, you're at least providing value. So when they are ready to either relocate or do anything, or um, uh, like I said, a landlord's looking to fill up a vacant suite, at least you provided value on what you think that space is worth per square foot. And where do you make the margin like in, in, in a role like yours? Like where where do you make money? Because you're not an hourly employee, whereas they pay you by the hour. You're yeah. You're you're not salary. They're not paying you like base salary. So where do you make your money? Like break down the behind the scenes of like where where you make your margin or where you make your cash. Like if I do this, then I get this. If I do this and this, then I get more of this. Like break that down for people out there who are yeah. uh, ignorant to the space and, and you know kind of want to know how they would make money if they if they got into your industry. Yeah. So on the sell side, you make money when the property closes. So when, once the property gets closed, uh, then uh, you receive a portion of the, those funds. Typically, it's going to be 6%. So if you're representing a seller, you're going to charge 6%, typically around there. Now, if a buyer is coming in and they're uh, represented by a tenant rep, then I'm splitting my 6% commission with that buyer rep because the landlord's paying, the landlord or the seller's paying 100% of the commission. Now, when it comes to lease transactions, I get paid when the lease gets signed. So uh, typically now that would be cut and dry. That would be assuming that I was representing, let's just say I was representing the landlord to lease out one of their vacant suites. A tenant comes, they're unrepresented uh, and they just need space. The space is already built out, which means they don't need any TI. There's no construction. I'm getting paid uh, once the lease gets signed. Now, if it's a scenario like uh, with TNC Community, where uh, the lease want the lease won't even start until uh, October, but that's five six months of building out that space. Now, I'll get paid about three percent up front. So once the lease gets signed, I'm getting three percent on the front end, and then once once they actually move into the space, which is the commencement date. Uh, that would be October 1st. That's when I'm getting that second half of the commission. So I make money in two ways. Uh, or I, actually, I would say three ways. Uh, I've, I've charged consulting fees before where I'm just charging them $125 an hour just to consult with them on what they should be doing with their property. That may be a phone call for like an hour or two, just going over strategizing ways that they can uh, increase occupancy within their building. Uh, so the three ways would be consulting fees, which is an hourly rate or uh, commissions based on selling a property. So the property actually closing or you getting a lease executed on behalf of the either the tenant or the landlord. So in your space, prospecting, rehabs, dealing with clients on both sides, tenants, landlords, dealing with investors, dealing with the, the, the business owner themselves, you're just constantly dealing with humans, having to network, having to connect, having to close deals, having to yeah. prospect, having to be out on the road, having a cold call. So 
Yeah. How are you finding time to balance both personal and work and like being able to, you know, grow in terms of your business, grow, uh, grow your business, make more money, help more people, but also tend to your relationships with family, tend to your relationships with the significant other, tend to your social life and being able to have friends and, and, and find joy in that. Like how is Nathan currently balancing that right now in your mid twenties? Yeah. Yeah. So I would say it's, it's definitely hard, but with commercial real estate, it's a lot easier than the residential side. Residential, you're pretty much working with clients uh, that probably have a nine to five job, which means you're probably showing properties or you're negotiating things uh, around the clock. So after five o'clock uh, with commercial real estate, it, it is a nine to five type of business. So uh, if I have a property that's under contract, Normally after five o'clock, there's not really much communication I can do besides updating my clients on where we're at in the process. Now, uh, title companies and things like that, they close at five o'clock. So there's, I can still send emails to them, but I'm probably not going to get a response until the following business day. Um, but yeah, commercial real estate is a nine to five Monday through Friday type of business. Now I do do some work over the weekends as far as just um, prospecting. So reaching out to um, property owners on the weekends or uh, commercial tenants, not really just because normally the decision makers aren't going to be in the office on, on a weekend. Now, if it's a, um, now if it's like a medical office or if it's like a medical tenant, yes, the, that physician is still going to be in the office because they make money when they're actually working. Uh, and typically how I get around that is I'm not going to call their office directly anyway. I'm going to call that physician directly and, and have that conversation that way. Uh, when it comes to landlords, it, it's still around the clock prospecting. And, and sometimes I do make calls after five o'clock because with these property owners, they may have a nine to five job, which means they're not available during the day, but at least they have a property that they have for lease or that could be coming available. Uh, and that's just reaching out to them and, and staying in front of mind, honestly. So it's a lot of touch points. Um, but when it comes to creating balance in your life, really it's it's kind of comes down to having like some sort of cutoff for when you're doing work. Typically, um, I don't answer phone calls or answer emails before 9 a.m. Um, now, if it's like a time of the essence type of thing with something that we need to get done this day, I'll, I'll flex that schedule a little bit. But after seven o'clock at nighttime, I'm not answering the phones because I'm on the phones all day. And if I were to um, just be available to my clients whenever they're free, then at that point, it's my clients managing my time and not me managing my own schedule. Love it. I love it. A lot of people are scared to get into real estate because primarily it's 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 commission based 100% commission based you got to work you got to you got to go out there and hunt so especially yeah. for your first few years and maybe even now how have you been able to like i guess sustain when it's a slow season you know if it's a slow season are you just balancing your money really well where when you get commission on this mm -hmm. you always allocate this to savings for slow seasons or are you when slow season comes around going to get a waiter job like how do you like figure out how to you know maintain life especially early on yeah. in the process obviously there's a point where yeah. you develop enough business that money is constantly flowing in That's, as long as it's self-sustaining exactly yeah. but prior to that like, I, I, what, what's your recommendation i would say the first year and a half uh definitely plan to not make money your first two years uh i've been uh, um 
a little bit different just because I've had some mentors that were able to provide some referrals over to me from the very start. And then uh, with a lot of listings that you get, if it's a listing that's available for lease or for sale, uh, you get a lot of prospective tenants or a lot of prospective buyers that will reach out to you and you can actually generate revenue from that. So uh, for example, if I have an office space uh, that's available for lease, let's just say it's a thousand square feet and I show that to a prospective tenant who is unrepresented, uh, and the space doesn't work for them, I try to convert them over to a client, uh, pretty much saying, hey, if this property isn't a good fit for you, let me know. We'd be happy to show other properties out on the market. So uh, once we get like some sort of agency agreement put together with them, then that's when I'm representing them now at this point. And I'm still representing my landlord to try to find tenants. But for that tenant that's unrepresented, now I can help them find other space that's out on the market. So it's kind of a win-win. Just by having listings, you will get new business out of that. But I would say the number one thing you have to be doing every day, and that's and this is actually something that I've struggled with, is prospecting every day. Because when you're super busy and you have all these deals that you're working on, sometimes you can get caught up in working on the deals or working in the business and not really on the business. Working on the business would be, what are the top lead generation things that are going to move your business forward in the next six to nine months. And that's strictly cold calling or building relationships, building relationships with people. Because at the end of the day, now I can close a large deal right now, but if I don't have anything lined up for in the next six months, then you're, you're going to be in trouble because real estate's an up and down cycle. Um, I mean, there's times where you have a large commission that's like 10 to ten to $20,000. And there's times where you're going like a month or two without a commission. Uh, now it's 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 a little bit different once you're in the business for, I would say, probably three plus years. Uh, a lot of your business from your first or second year starts to recycle. So if you got a lease done your first year, stay in contact with that tenant because uh, even if you represented that tenant, they eventually they're going to either want to renew their lease or they're going to re want to relocate. And I get paid. You can get paid on lease renewals, too. So. Going to that tenant and saying, hey, uh, I've checked out other properties on the market. Obviously, I already know what rent you're paying because I helped you out with your lease in the past. Now it's time to put together a strategy on how we can get you concessions once you decide to renew your lease. <clears throat> and one thing I've noticed with um, with larger tenants or tenants that require a huge uh, tenant improvement or build-out allowance is that like I said, you have your base rent and then any uh, build out costs that's being amortized over the lease term. Normally, landlords would try to do some sneaky stuff and keep that base. Now, the base rent will stay the same, but they will try to keep that uh, amortization that you're paying each month. Uh, as part of your base rent once you decide to renew. And that should never be the case because if your base rent, when you started, that lease was, let's just say it's $12 per square foot, and then you got $2 per square foot amortized each month. So now the rent is $14. $14 is not what you're going to be paying once you decide to renew your lease because you've already paid out that amortized tenant improvement allowance over your term. So once your term is up, now the base rent is actually starting. So now you should be starting at probably a basis higher than $12 per square foot because you have to account for inflation, which is typically 2 to 4% each year. Now, let's just say if it was $12 per square foot three years ago, uh, you may be charging, the base rent might be like $12.75 now. It's not going to be $14 as the base. That makes sense. That makes sense. All right, brother. And, I got and, and tenants oh, don't sorry, and tenants 
Yeah, I was just going to say tenants don't tenants and business owners don't realize that. Like a lot of them don't they're not really heavy on the map. And honestly, it's it's very hard to pinpoint what your amortization schedule is going to look like because and I'm I'm, I'm just going to be forefront with you. A lot of commercial agents don't know how to do that. They can't put together a lease analysis and showcase, hey, if I get you these concessions, this is how much money you're saving over your lease. Now, I have a spreadsheet that I built from scratch, and that tells me essentially what the base run is, what the gross value of that lease is. So once they decide to renew, I can pretty much say, hey, that cost, that two, that extra two, three dollars per square foot, that was being amortized. You should no longer be paying that once you decide to renew your lease. And a lot of the times, landlords, uh, if they have an unrepresented business owner or tenant, they're going to take advantage of that. Hmm. As you can see, ladies, it's, it's a way my, that they make more money. Honestly, yeah, so my like, boy it makes it, it makes no sense for a business. It makes no sense for a business owner to not be represented because number one, you're getting free. You're getting free services like. My, it comes at no cost to you because the landlord's always paying my commission. Why would you not want to use a tenant rep to get concessions for for your space? Why would you not want free rent? Why would you not want a tenant improvement allowance if you decide, hey, some of your your space is somewhat outdated. You want now you want glass uh, glass doors or glass walls or things like that. You should be able to negotiate that, but landlords aren't going to negotiate with a tenant or a business owner because they don't know, they don't understand the market or what concessions they should be offered. And that's where you come in free value, free help, and you still get paid. So like if someone out there exactly. is listening, make sure y'all tap in with my boy, Nathan Roberts. Obviously you can tell from this episode. And if you listen to episode one, that he knows his stuff in both the medical leasing office industry, but just in general, my boy knows his stuff. He knows the mathematics, which gets, which is really helpful when it comes to like, you know, profit and really like squeezing every ounce of money or savings you can get out of your situation. So definitely tap in with my boy, Nathan and how you can do that. Let them know, Nathan, how can they, how can they find you? How they, how can they, uh, you know, do business with you? Where can they continue to support you after this episode's over? Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, uh, you can find me on on LinkedIn or you can find me on Instagram. My Instagram tag or handle is uh, Kansas City underscore office space. Uh, for my LinkedIn, just type in Nathan Roberts Commercial Real Estate. You will be able to find me. Uh, there's not really many. There's not many commercial agents out there that are focusing strictly on medical and office. So that's kind of a niche that I wanted to focus on going forward. Medical office demand, uh, even it's one of those recession resistant industries or property types just because i mean even during a recession people still need to go to the doctor they still need to get annual exams they still need to have surgeries and things like that done now when it comes to office uh like i said that's kind of hit or miss it really depends on the company and even you can't even break it down per industry because you can look at a certain industry and different companies will have a different reaction to the hybrid work model or if their employees should be in the office 100 of the time or not absolutely no i love it i love it recession proof baby recession proof we love that i My wouldn't guy. say recession proof i would say recess uh recession recession resistant <laughs> my bad my bad yeah there's, def my bad. <laughs> there's definitely a difference there for sure <laughs> um but so I, I i wish one of these days i i could um I guess share my screen and show showcase what what I do day in and day out when it comes to like lease analysis or putting together a performer. Maybe we can brainstorm an idea one of these days where if a tenant comes in 
and let's just say their base rents twelve dollars per square foot, and they're asking the landlord for a two hundred fifty thousand dollar build out allowance. How will that increase their monthly rent? So that's something mm -hmm. I can break down. Um, We're gonna have to do that. I love that. Days. Hell yeah, hell yeah. We'll we'll relock in via email to try to set up a day and maybe do like some type of live session. Whether we have viewers or not, we can definitely publish it and put it out there for people to tap in with at a future date whenever they want to. So I love that. We're going to do something quick here. We're going to do a rapid fire, which is where I ask you just a whole bunch of random questions. You give me a short okay. and as quick an answer as possible. And then we'll wrap up with our Voices of Value final question and uh, let the listeners, uh, you know, get on with their day. But I appreciate the listeners for listening nathan i appreciate you for tapping in and giving us the game let's jump into our rapid fire you ready okay i'm ready all right texting or talking definitely talking um it, it's just a lot easier to get like you can go back and forth 10 to 20 different texts and get that same thing done within two to three minutes over on a phone call so i'd rather do a phone call but if someone is busy i will text you favorite day of the week I will. That's a hard one. Um, I like Mondays just because, like, it's the start of a new week, and it's and it's like this thing on the back of your head. It's like, hey, um, if you didn't if you didn't get certain things done the previous week, or you had certain struggles, and you had like a reflection for your week, now this is a new week. To, it's kind of like a fresh new start to do the things that you said you were going to do that you didn't do last week. I love it. Favorite city in the U.S. besides the one you live in. Oh, man. Um, well, I, okay. So I used to live out in Reno, Nevada. Reno, Nevada is a, a great town or, or a great city to grow up in. Um, I would, uh, that's a hard one just because I haven't traveled that much. Actually, I'm going to, I'm going to say um, Oahu, uh, Hawaii, like the Waikiki okay. area. That, that was great. Just the touristy, it's, it's like a touristy area and just being able to, sightsee and, and see things that you don't normally see in, in, in the U.S. But and I mean, mid, it is the and, U.S. And in the Midwest for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> nickname your parents used to call you? Uh, Nate Nate. Oh, that, I so Nate that's kind of cute, my boy. I like that. Nate Nate. Uh, Nate Nate. <laughs> I, I still have family members that call me that, but yeah, oh, Nate Nate. I love it. First celebrity crush? Oh, man. Oh. I would say probably Ariana Grande, if that comes to mind. First celebrity crush, that's kind of a hard one. Oh. There, there, there's a lot out there. Oh, I, I'm going to stick with Ariana Grande. All right. Final final question. If Voldemort offered you a hug, would you accept? I would under certain uh, terms and conditions. So if he can't like take over my soul or something like that, I would give him a hug. Why not? Every, everybody needs a hug or needs love at some point. My guy, he said under certain terms and conditions. That's how you know he's a real real estate professional. We love it. All right. So final question of the day, my brother, we ask everyone this question and you've probably, you were probably asked it in 2021. So I might have to go back and search what you said to this, but it's your final day on earth. You've lived to 150 years old, but your great-great-grandkids are sitting at your feet, and it's the final words they're going to be left with from you. And they ask you, great-great-grandpa, what's one piece of advice on how to live a good life? What are you going to tell them? I would say just just try to provide value to people because uh, obviously monetary returns and things like that will come with the value. Uh, so just try to be honest with people. Try to be 
um, just try to establish like a, a relationship with people and, and be a good person. Because at the end of the day, I uh, always, always think that good deeds come back to you in some sort of capacity or another. So just try to be a good person and just try to um, live a self-fulfilling life while also providing value to the community because you need to enrich the world in some community in some aspect or another because uh without the world and them having an impact on you or your community you wouldn't be the person you, you are today so honestly just giving back and being a good person i love it i love it nathan roberts thank you ladies and gentlemen make sure you leave a five-star review as that is the only way we can grow and more importantly share with a friend share us on social and tag us man we want to know who's listening what you enjoyed about the conversation and we really just want to interact and really genuinely be able to build a community we're still working on it so help us that's the show ladies and gentlemen